Were you guys having a good time tonight? No. no? Are you kidding me? You better say yes or I can't keep talking. <laughs> well, guys, welcome to the first ever Sunday Thrive. It's pretty cool... <laughs> it's pretty cool to be able to say that you're a part of the first of something. Um, we've been in a sermon series, if you're a guest with us tonight, um, talking about difficult people to handle. Um, the first week, we talked about um, controlling people that were really needy. Uh, the second week, we talked about people that were manipulative. And then this Sunday morning, Todd brought us a message about people that are hypocrites. How to deal with hypocritical people and how to identify in ourselves um, hypocrisy. Now, I talked with Todd and uh, we both agreed that I wasn't going to speak the exact same messages this morning because most of you guys were in church, but he wanted me to stay on the same topic of hypocrisy. So instead of um, talking about one specific person or group of people, instead of um, talking about my generation against your generation, tonight I'm going to speak about the hypocrisy of Christianity as a whole. Um, three problems that I see and um, identify that I feel like have been turning off people to Christianity for a really long time. Um, if you would, before we get started, would you just pray with me? Dear Lord, thank you for today. I just thank you for this time to be able to worship, this time to be able to just gather together in fellowship, God, and just have a good time. And Lord, I know that you honor all the things that we're doing here tonight. Um, God, I just pray that even though this is a fun experience, but I, I just pray that you can help us learn something. Um, I pray that you will help us leave here not just having a good time, but having a heart change. I'm um, learning something and hearing something from you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You know, I heard a quote one time, and I believe it was on a DC Talk album, and it said this. It said, The single greatest cause for atheism in our world today is Christians who profess Christ with their mouth, but who deny him by their actions. And you know, we all want to say, well, that's not me. They're not talking about me. But the fact of the matter is, we all are very, very hypocritical people. We're very, very hypocritical and you see, I think that there's three key points, three things that we have to change if we want people to start um, seeing Christianity as something appealing, something that they want to be a part of. Uh, there's a Bible verse, and it's a passage in the Gospels. And basically, we're told exactly what we're supposed to be doing. We're told our purpose and exactly what God has for our lives. And it's in Matthew, and I love the way that he puts it. Uh, basically, what's happening in the story is uh, Jesus just schooled a Sadducee. The Sadducee was trying to disprove Jesus, and he just schooled him. So this Pharisee steps up, and he's trying to ask him this question that's going to stump Jesus. And so he says to Jesus, what is your greatest commandment? And Jesus answers, and he says, the greatest commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And then he further said, the second greatest commandment is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There it is. And those uh, few words, I believe that he has identified all the Ten Commandments, has identified exactly what we're supposed to be doing as Christians. We're supposed to be loving God and loving people. You see, going right in with that, um, I think the first point of change is this. If we claim to be speaking the language of love, right now we're babbling. You see, grace and mercy are fundamental truths of Christianity. We wouldn't be Christians or have Christians if it wasn't for grace, mercy, and love because grace, mercy, and love was the cross. Jesus was grace, mercy, and love. And I know for me, I'm the one person that's constantly saying, well, you know, I messed up, but God's got grace for that. Or asking for God in prayer, you know, will you give me mercy in this situation, Lord? But when it comes time to reciprocate that action, when it comes time for me to do that same thing in my own life, when people do me wrong or when I feel like something's unfair, when it's time for me to give grace, I struggle. 
Instead, I, I judge, I condemn, and I hate. You see, we do this as a church whole. And I think the way we do this is we put weight to different sin. Do you know what I'm talking about? That some sin is greater or more extreme than others. I'll give you an example. You might say, Blake, I don't do that. Our church doesn't do that. Christians don't do that, but they do. Somebody comes to church and they say, man, I'm struggling with an alcohol addiction. That person is going to be hugged. It's going to say, you know what, we're going to be here for you. But the moment somebody comes to a pastor, comes to a church, comes to a people and looks a little different, looks a little odd or obscure and says, man, I have a sexual problem. Will you help me? It's really difficult to love that person because they look so obscure. They look so broken. And the question I have for you guys is how broken is too broken for you tonight? How far gone is too far gone for you to love? You see, a lot of times we see sin um, a lot differently than God. I love driving up to Cincinnati at nighttime because there's nothing more beautiful than coming up in the cut of the hill and seeing the city with the sunset behind it. And when you look through the cut in the hill, you see all of these buildings. Some are tall, some are small, some are fat, some are long. They all look different shapes and sizes. And see, constantly in our life, I feel like we're looking at people like we're looking at the cut in the hill. I identify you by, well, your sin is so much more lavish and grand and extreme than mine, and mine's just something that I can brush off my shoulder. It's not that big of a deal. But you see, if you take an airplane over the city of Cincinnati, all you can see is one unit. You don't see height or width. You just see one body. You see, Scripture speaks to this. He says that God's high above us reigning. You see, God has an aerial view of our sin. And looking down, he doesn't see specific identities or titles. He sees one people, humanity, who needed a savior. One group of people that struggle with the same problem, sin. And he sent his son to die for it. Not just for your problems, but for that person's problems who doesn't look like you. And not only the person that doesn't look like you, but the person that directly is opposing your mission. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is where it talks about how Christ demonstrates his love. And it says this in Romans, it says, Christ demonstrates his love for us, that while we were still sinners, he died for us. It doesn't say when we had all the pieces put together. It doesn't say the people that were in church. It doesn't say the people that were good people. It says while we were still sinners, the people who hated him, who spat at him, who cursed his name, he loved to the point that he died on a cross. And sometimes as a church, we can't love somebody because they're weird, because they're different. See, this is something that we have to change. See, church was always meant to be a hospital for the broken. It was meant to be a bank for the poor in spirit. It was meant to be a sanctuary of hope and peace. See, as Christians, we were never meant to bury our wounded, but sometimes we do. You see, the problem with that is this. When we don't love someone, they're going to be loved by someone. They're going to find it in something. There's a quote from a movie, and it's called The Perks of Being a Wallflower. And the quote goes like this. It says, we accept the love we think we deserve. We accept the love we think we deserve. You see, that hits a lot of people, and it resonates with you because it makes sense. But the fact of the matter is this, guys. God had a bigger plan. He said, I'm going to give you a love that you don't deserve. I'm going to give you something so much greater. And it's our mission, it's our job to tell people about that. Because when we don't, when we say, you know, accept the love you think you deserve, you're, tell you're telling that woman who's in an abusive relationship, oh, I deserve this because I'm not a good person. 
You're telling that person who has a drug addiction that they deserve it because they put themselves in that place. See, we have to be the hands and feet of God. And by doing that, we have to love people while they're broken, while their lives are messy. We have to give grace and mercy, not judgment. See, for my mom, for her birthday, we um, thought as a family, you know, what are we going to get my mom for her birthday? And we decided that we were going to get her a Pandora charm bracelet. Now, if any of you guys are uh, looking for a present for a lady in your life, Pandora charm bracelets are awesome gifts that are completely overpriced. But I suggest it because she liked it. And so we started putting um, these charms on her bracelet. Uh, we put one that has a pair of scissors because she's a hairdresser. Um, we would put her birthstone because it represented her birthday. And eventually her bracelet became this um, object that represented her identity. That if you looked at her bracelet, you could say, okay, I could kind of get an idea of who this person is. But the reality is that bracelet does not define who she is as a person. It doesn't define her heart. See, a lot of times we claim the promise that Jesus breaks every chain. You've heard it in church. But then we walk around church, we walk around in our everyday lives looking for charm bracelets. You know what I'm saying? You, you look at a person and you say, okay, well, your charm says porn addict, adulterer. Yours says sexually explicit, struggles with depression. And the list goes on and on. You see, if we truly claim that promise that Christ breaks every chain, those charms fall off. This idea of false identity goes away, and all that's left is a bracelet that says, I am redeemed. Guys, we have that promise tonight. He does break every chain, and not just for us, but that promise is true for all of his children. The second point that I think is fundamental for us to change as a church is this. Oftentimes we give, but first we look, look at the price tag. How much is it going to cost me? You know, if it's not that, we give with this expectation that we're going to see some kind of return. You know, we, we expect something, and maybe it's something as minute as appreciation. You know, I'm one of those people that's really bad about this. I do things, and I, I want that appreciation because it makes me feel good. But you see, if we really believe the biblical truth of Scripture, we have to believe that God is in all things, and that everything that we do is for His glory, not for Blake's glory or Burlington Baptist Church glory, for God's glory. And scripture is very clear that our treasures don't lie here on earth, that they lie in heaven. So when we're doing these things and desiring appreciation, isn't that pretty hypocritical? Because the person that we should be desiring the appreciation from is the Lord. And when we understand that idea, when we um, claim that in our hearts, it's a lot easier to be generous with our money and our time because we remember who we're doing it for. It's not for that neighbor that's nosy or that person that has done you wrong. It's for the Lord. It's for the furtherment of his kingdom. You see, generosity goes far beyond just money. I think a lot of times as a church and as Christians, we just choose to throw a check at something, to throw money here because it makes us feel better. But the reality is sometimes being generous means giving of your time. It means investing and creating lasting relationships. You see, as Christians, we should be operating under the pretense of see a need, fill a need. But we have to start understanding what that need looks like. We start start understanding, do I need to give this man a fish or do I need to give this man a fishing pole? You know, we can throw some money at someone, but if I tell somebody about a church where he's going to be loved, where he can be fed spiritually, where is he going to go when he's broken? Where is he going to go when he needs more food? Where is he going to go to be fed? See, we need to learn to be generous to the point that we are investing our time and our resources in people because that's what's going to get him to church. The third and final thing is this, 
And some of you guys are going to look at me like I'm crazy when I say it, so bear with me. Guys, as Christians, it's time for a coming out party. We need to step out of the closet. Now, some of you guys have heard this term, closet Christian. You know, the Christian that goes to church on Sunday, that's a part of a Sunday school class, that serves in the community, but never opens their mouth, never talks about the gospel. That's a closet Christian, guys, and we have to change that. Because you can live a, a wonderful lifestyle, but without a verbal communication, they never know why you're living that way. They never know why you're living that way. You know, we get excited about so many things. We get excited about football games. We get excited about new jobs, new music, interesting things that are happening. But we can't get excited about Jesus Christ coming into our lives and saving us. You see, we're so focused on the temporary, on the here and now, that we sometimes neglect the one thing that's eternal. And that's our salvation. You know, going back to my first uh, scripture that I quoted, love God, love people. Are we really loving God and loving people if we aren't passionately trying to talk about his kingdom, his promises, and his glory? If we have this knowledge that Christ can save us, that Christ can give us eternity, and we're not telling our family, if we're not telling our friends, our coworkers, strangers, are we really loving God and loving people? Because keeping that from someone to me is not love. It's not love at all. You see, we have to become more passionate about spreading the gospel, about sharing his truth, about being intentional. You know, Kent's not here tonight, but he always tells the praise team, look at your feet. Look at your feet. Where have they gone today? How many people today could you have changed their world if you would have opened your mouth? And did you? You see, for me, that hits home because I know all the time, I just don't want to vest. I don't want to take that time, whether it's because I'm afraid I don't have the words to say, whether it's afraid I'm going to mess it up, whether it's, a, I'm just, I don't want to take the time to do it, or I'm going to be embarrassed. I just don't. But see, all those excuses are lies of Satan. Guys, I want to tell you a very important truth tonight. It is not, I repeat, it is not our responsibility to save people. That's not what we're called to do. God was way smarter than that. He did not put that responsibility on us. But we are called to talk about what he's done in our lives. Because when we talk about what God has done in us and through us, it's all about him. It takes away all the pressure. See, scripture is very clear. All we have to do is say, come and check it out. Come and see what's going on. Because when they do, when they see what's going on, God will move. We don't have to do anything. God will move. Now, you guys might be sitting here and you guys might be saying, you know, Blake, I, uh, I've been in church 30 years. I uh, have been committed to the ministry. I uh, have led a Sunday school class, and I'm content with being surrounded by my Christian friends, and I think God honors that. Well, I want to tell you guys something tonight. You can be the biggest, most fruit-bearing tree, but if that fruit never reaches someone else, if that fruit never feeds another person, then all that's going to happen is that fruit is going to drop off the tree and rot. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a part of a church with a bunch of rotten fruit. I don't want to waste my life. I want my life to matter. And the way that it matters is by us breaking down these walls of hypocrisy, of us clinging to the truth and the purpose that Christ has laid before us. Love God, love people. So what is it in your life that you need to do? What is it that you need to work on to start loving God and loving people with your whole heart? Is it dropping down these judgmental walls and these barriers that have been put up by tradition and society and these Christian norms of apathetic um, sitting in the pew and collecting dust mentality? 
Is it making it a point every day to say, I'm going to talk to one person about Christ today? I don't know what it is for you, but I challenge you to act on it. You know, this is a, uh, a Thrive service, and so I'm going to challenge you something very specific. I challenge you this summer to invite one person to Thrive, to truly vest in them, to identify someone in your world, because there is someone in your world who needs this service, and invite them to church. All you have to do is say, hey, come check this out. God will do the rest. But I challenge you to do that tonight. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, if this isn't your church family but you got invited, I want to tell you something tonight. Burlington Baptist Church is not about all the things that society likes to say Christianity is about. You know, we can be very hypocritical in our actions, but the root of this church is one rooted in love. It's one wanting to be generous in spirit, not judgmental, but filled with grace. And I hope that you'd feel welcomed enough tonight to accept the reality that Jesus Christ loves you and he wants you as broken as you might be. You know, tonight this is kind of untraditional because we're not in a church, but uh, during this next song, I would just encourage you to pray with the people around you. Pray for whatever you feel like you need to, whether it's just as a church whole at Burlington Baptist, breaking down these walls of hypocrisy, or you yourself and your families, specific things that you think you need to work on. And maybe tonight you need to come down here and just talk to me. Come down here and say, you know what, Blake, I haven't been a Christian. I haven't accepted this truth because I didn't realize it was that easy. I didn't realize that God would love me even when I'm broken. I didn't know he died for me, a sinner. Please don't hesitate. I know it might feel awkward because we're at a picnic, but come and talk to me. Don't wait. Also, if you're not a part of this church, come talk to me about that too because you can get involved in so many different ministries here and get plugged in, and I want to help you do that. Would you pray with me tonight? Dear God, just thank you for this time. I thank you for the ability to be able to be in a public setting and just preach truth in your word, Lord. Thank you that um, you're so gracious that even when we mess up, even when we get things wrong, even when we are the biggest hypocrites, you see our sin and say, I have grace for that. God, I just thank you for loving me when I was broken, for dying on a cross for me when I was a sinner. And Lord, I just pray that as a church, as Burlington Baptist, and as Christians, that we work to break down these walls of hypocrisy, that ultimately we love you and we love people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.